There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. It's Friday, October 7th. From inside the WTOP newsroom, this is the DMV Download, brought to you by the men and women of Steamfitters Local 602. Get an estimate and learn more at steamfitters-602.org. Today, we look back 20 years to when one of the Beltway snipers shot a 13-year-old boy outside a middle school in Bowie, Maryland. The boy lived, and we hear the now 33-year-old's telling of his story. It's definitely um, a blessing to still be here. Iron Brown is the youngest survivor of the sniper rampage, which killed 10 people in D.C., Virginia, and Maryland over three weeks. Brown sat down with WTOP's Neil Augustine, who covered this shooting back on October 7th, 2002. I remember when he was shot. He was a 13-year-old kid. Mm. And I guess I'm putting in my opinion now, he's handled what is an incredibly difficult situation that no teenager should have to handle with some amazing grace. Thanks for joining us. I'm Luke Garrett. Megan Clardy is off this afternoon. 20 years ago today. There has been a shooting at a school this morning. A child has been shot in front of the Benjamin Tasker Middle School. Soon after the news broke, former WTOP reporter Mary Ann Jennings reported live from the scene. Understandably, Bowie's tensions are very, very high in Bowie, where a 13-year-old boy has been shot and critically injured in front of Benjamin Tasker Middle School. We're told his aunt or mother, it's not clear which, managed to get the boy back into her car and sped him off to a local medical center. And it didn't take long for investigators to connect this incident with similar sniper attacks in this region. Here's WTOP Sean Anderson on what investigators believed that day. The shooting comes on the heels of a series of deadly shootings that started in Montgomery County, then extended into D.C. and northern Virginia. Investigators are still tracking down leads in those shootings. Let's get the latest on the investigation in Montgomery County, live from WTOP's Neil Augenstein. Sean, while investigators try to determine if there is a link to those shootings you just mentioned, you could sense the sadness and determination in the voice of Montgomery County Police Chief Charles Moose at this latest attack. Shooting a kid. I guess it's getting to be really, really personal now. Moose says police from other jurisdictions have been volunteering, and his goal right now is assuring that kids get home safely this afternoon. 20 years later, WTOP's Neil Augustine joins us now after getting an exclusive interview with that 13-year-old boy who was shot. He survived, and he spoke with Neil just today, 20 years after this incident. Neil, thank you for being here. My pleasure. And of course, we're talking about someone who's no longer a boy. Iron Brown is a grown man. And he was kind enough to talk with me today. Uh, I remember covering the day of his shooting. And obviously, that was a very scary time in the, the sniper rampage. And when you think about it, he, he made a very good point when I was speaking with him. This was a school shooting. Mm. And when you do the math, you know, Columbine was in 1999, I think. This was in 2002. This was one, really one of the earlier times when a terrorist used a school shooting 
in uh, you know as a, a means of getting his point across. And and Iron Brown, when we were speaking, he pointed that out, and I I hadn't really made that connection before, but, mm. but I thought that uh, it was really pretty apt. Yeah, I mean, I remember I was in actually kindergarten when this all happened, and I remember we were not allowed to you know, go to the playground for the majority of that first year. We were picked up and dropped off from school um, in a very different way than how we started school. Can you tell us, before we get to your conversation fully, you know, tell us about reporting on this, the uncertainty, even the danger that was probably in your mind as you were covering this? Well, th- this was a probably the most dangerous story that I ever covered, not for me personally, but for, for the public. I think that uh, everyone was very afraid of that at that point. There was no rhyme or reason. I think any time anybody was doing their normal business, they were concerned. I remember that we did stories on WTOP of how to run from your car to mm. the gas pump and running in zigzag. We had public safety people providing information like that. So obviously that is terrifying and that is that is no way to live. And that was the way things were in this area for uh, about three weeks in October of 2002. Right. And 20 years later, you know, again, you were able to talk to Brown, now 33. Where is he now and, and how is he doing, you know, generally 20 years out? When you think back to at the time of the shooting, Iron Brown was 13 and Lee Boy Malvo was 17. When you're a kid that age, that seems like a big jump. Mm. Now they're both in their mid 30s. They're grown men in their mid 30s. And Iron Brown was showed a lot of grace in contemplating the similarities between the convicted killer and him, the, the, the lucky survivor. Um, I'm sure we've both grown a lot. I would only assume that, you know, he's become much sharper and much more remorseful after all of this time being confined and having access to, you know, go over the case and educate himself. Iron Brown has had a lot of time for self-reflection. Lee Malvo has had that much time in prison. And he has shown a lot of remorse Mm. over the years in in different venues. Lee Malvo has testified against uh, John Muhammad. Mm. Uh, He cooperated with with prosecutors in in Montgomery County. And as part of his being convicted of of six life sentences, he also apologized Mm. to to people who he hurt, Mm. and including the, uh, the, the victim's families. And just to review for listeners out there, John Allen Muhammad, you know, was convicted and sentenced to death and was you know, killed in 2009 by lethal injection. You know, did Brown talk about whether, you know, he would ever want to talk with Malvo? That was what I found very fascinating. He brought it up. I look forward to um, having to sit down with uh, Malvo and just hearing his take. When I heard him say that, I thought, is there something set up? that I don't know about, but he said, no, that is something that he really would like to do. Our lives are forever intertwined. Just to to bring you back, Iron Brown did testify in John Muhammad's trial in Virginia Beach, but he did not testify when Lee Malvo was tried up here in Montgomery County. Mm. And Iron Brown says that he was under the impression that Lee Malvo didn't want to meet him at that point. I'm not sure whether that whether the, the thought of two kids who were, you know, almost the same age being in, in such a, a weird adversarial 
position mm. um, was something that, that he wanted. But Iron Brown said that he would love to talk with him. I said, why would you possibly want to right. sit down with somebody who uh, who tried to kill you? Iron Brown says that he, he knows that uh, that Lee Boy Malvo was manipulated, but he does believe that he was uh, able to to know right from wrong. Mm. He said that he, he really wanted to hear Malvo's perspective. Wow. He wanted to know what Malvo was going through at the time. And when you think about that, that's, I think, pretty remarkable. I was very moved to hear mm. that he even cares yeah. uh, to, to, to learn that. Mm. Within the past you know, 20 years, Malvo has been serving and has been in prison. A lot of new laws have been created that actually limit you know, the amount of time juveniles can be put into jail. And it, it's gotten to the point where Malvo could seek parole and has sought parole. You know, what did Brown say about that? Does he think Malvo should ever be released? I asked Iron Brown if he can think back to what he thought about capital punishment back when Lee Boy Malvo was was on trial for the first time, which was in 2003. Iron Brown was candid. He said, it never even crossed my mind. I was a kid. Mm. You know, so here was a kid who was shot and he was testifying against somebody who was just a few years older than him. When he reflected upon it a bit more, Iron Brown said, I feel pretty much the same way now as I did back then. Me personally, I don't want to be the judge, jury, and executioner. And I think he, he realized that I was going to ask whether he believed that Malvo deserved the death penalty back in 2003 when it was you know would have been possible for him to get it. I believe in second chances. I do agree with him most definitely being in jail forever. He was obviously old enough to know better and to know what he was doing was wrong. But as far as if his life should be taken or not, he says he has no comment on that. Mm. So it sounds like Iron Brown and I wasn't in the conversation. So, you know, you tell me was graceful with, you know, his reflections on this traumatic, traumatic experience when he was just a 13 year old boy. Did he talk at all about the physical and mental scars that, you know, might still remain? I, I did ask him whether those scars do fade over time. You know, he's got a, a kid of his own now. I asked him if the sniper shooting ever retreats to the back of his mind. I have a pretty cool scar. It goes up my stomach and across my chest. He says it's definitely a reminder of how thankful and blessed I am to still be here. Mm. So even though he's got the, the physical scars and, and he does uh, say that he's uh, have some issues with post-traumatic stress disorder and anxiety periodically, he said, I, I'd like to think that I handled it pretty well. Mm. He says, I, I realize I'll never be 100%. So, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with that on a daily basis. He said, whether I like it or not, I'm a part of history. Uh, he, by the way, he, he said that he is writing a, an autobiography of, of this time in his, in his life. He said, I'm still alive, so I can't be doing very much complaining. Mm. Well, Iron Brown definitely was a person who was put in a position of you know trauma and, as he said, history. I mean, everyone was following this story when it was occurring, and it sticks well within the memory of all of us here in the D.C. region who lived through this time. You know, as a reporter on this story, now talking to Iron Brown, what 
are your takeaways, you know, from this victim who you spoke with? It's very rare that I tell somebody that I interview that I'm proud of them. Mm. And to be honest, it's, you know, it's not my business to tell somebody that I'm proud of them. But I remember when he was shot, he was a 13 year old kid. Mm. And I guess I'm putting in my opinion now, he's handled what is an incredibly difficult situation that no teenager should have to handle with some amazing grace. So to me, that is someone that you can be proud of. Mm. Well, Neil, thank you so much for bringing us, you know, parts of your conversation with Iron Brown. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. And after the break, we take a look at a lighter topic, the new movie about Super Mario and who's voicing these iconic cartoon characters. Backed by the experience of its hardworking members, Steamfitters Local 602 is ready to take on your next commercial heating, cooling, HVAC, or refrigeration project. Steamfitters Local 602 adds value to our community through its partnerships with local contractors and building owners, all while keeping the focus on improving the lives of its members and their families throughout the DMV. For work that's on time and on budget, go to steamfitters-602.org to schedule your next project. That's steamfitters-602.org. Steamfitters Local 602 changing lives. I'm Paul Wagner. Join me as I dig deep into the mysterious case of the Potomac River Rapist. Listen to Unknown Subject, Season 3 of WTOP's award-winning American Nightmare podcast series, available now wherever you get your podcasts. And before we go, we have someone to welcome to the DMV Download Studio, Carlos Ramirez. Hello, hello. How's it going? He is a traffic reporter, but also does so many other things in the WTOP newsroom. A Swiss army knife of sorts. Something to that effect. Anywhere I, I could be used, I'm around. So uh, <laughs> if, you don't, if you don't hear me on the air, chances are I'm somewhere in the building. So, yeah. So Carlos is telling me that there's a new movie, Super Mario. Tell me more. Yeah, I have no I, idea. I already forgot the actual running title or the actual title, but I stumbled upon it today. And, of course, the big talking point right now is is uh, who the casting was or what the casting was because you got Chris Pratt as Super Mario not exactly the voice you expect <laughs> right you've got uh, the voice actors who who play the uh, character in video games all the time and it's classic you hear it you know oh it's that guy right and so here's my theory I think you remember the Sonic movie yeah yeah okay remember Hedgehog the, the Sonic the Hedgehog yes the initial uh, uh, trailer came out and everyone hated the design right? mm. it looked awful it was terrible and then they got free promotion for months for the movie Movie because everyone was talking about it online. They pushed back the movie, they put out a better design, and the movie did wonderful. Wow. Everyone loved it. So my theory, and this could be wrong, but we can check it here uh, later on. My theory is they're going to come back a few weeks before the movie actually comes out and then say, oh, just kidding. We've uh, we've actually got uh, the original <laughs> voice actor that you know and love for oh, years. Oh, it's just some, some synthetic... Just, you know, conflict, if it, you will. In the year of the internet, there's all sorts of ways where you can promote your stuff. That's and interesting. I don't know. I'm, because you've got huge names here. It's like Jack Black playing Bowser, uh, uh, Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong. You know what I mean? I, I can't, <laughs> Remember when they did The Lion King and you heard Seth Rogen as uh, Pumbaa? It was distracting. I'm like, yeah. That's, I can't hear the stoner laugh. <laughs> <laughs> in, a, in a classic cartoon from my childhood. I don't know. I could be completely wrong and it could be an okay film, but I was just thinking about that Yeah, today. it looks so the movie is set to come out 2023. Its official title is the Super Mario Bros. movie. 
So I we'll see. I, I'm now kind of intrigued. You telling me this is working in the sense that, oh, I, I kind of want to see how it plays. It might work. It might not. I think I, I'm going to stick to my guns. I think they're going to pull a, a Sonic the Hedgehog on us. Wow. And they're just going to recraft in this year Absolutely. they have. Absolutely. All they had to do is pay these actors a few million dollars to use their name. And uh, now the movie is going to be super popular. And right. the voice actors who nobody knows will still get all the money. You heard it here first, folks. We'll if this happens, just note in your head, DMV download, Carlos said it, October 7th. That's it. That's it. Well, Carlos, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. And a pleasure. And that'll do it for us today on the DMV Download. We're sponsored by Steamfitters Local 602. Our managing editor is Craig Schwab, and our music is by Real World. Give us a review and rate our show. If you get the chance, tell your families and friends about this show. You know, we love telling more stories to more people. You can also find us on social media where we're posting content every day. The DMV Download Podcast is a product of WTOP News. Listen on 103.5 FM in the D.C. area, 107.7 FM in Virginia. And if you're driving around Frederick, Maryland, 103.9 FM. WTOP is also online, of course, at WTOP.com. You can also find us on the WTOP News app. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you Tuesday as Monday is a federal holiday. See you then.